0: Welcome. Welcome to, I feel, the premier event at this conference where we get to really go deep into the UFO question with what I call one of the best panels that have, has been assembled on the subject. Absolutely. Yes. Yes, yes. And there's 100 people live streaming too. So, anyway, my name's Alan Steinfeld. I host a show called New Realities on YouTube. You could see lots of uh, different interviews with many of the guests here. But I think because we uh, um, are coming to a new phase and understanding what ETs and UFOs are about. Um, It's an evolution. This panel, for me, represents a way of putting together a lot of the pieces of the puzzle, a lot of connecting the dots, because if you listen to Ray's talk, you know, and everyone here, it's not just about people from other planets visiting us and checking us out. There's something else going on here. And if everyone here can... Sort of gear towards their little piece and and their mm, their little dot. Maybe we can all connect the dots and create a bigger story of what's going on. I mean, I don't think anyone has the whole picture, although many people are close. My good friend Whitley has, you know. He's as close and as lucid as you can get to almost touching the thing as it touches him in his ear, you know, his implant in his ear. It's, it's always in, He's always in touch with it. So let me just introduce the panelists, and then I'll throw out a couple of questions, and then I think a discussion amongst the panelists, and then we'll take some questions. But, uh, like I said, Whitley Streber, the author of Communion and many other amazing books, has been a warrior on the frontiers of consciousness because it's it's that image of that being on the front of the book that with the big eyes that have set the iconic understanding of what ETs are. But if you read those books, and you read one of his latest books, Supernatural, he it's an evolution that awakened, I think, for you that you're you're still coming to terms with. Is that true, Whitley? You wanna comment? Oh
1: yeah. Very much so.
0: Okay. I'll and then we'll ask for comment. And Barbara Lamb, who's dedicated her life to understanding the abduction experience and taking people into regression and and showing a really positive side to this experience that it is about human conscious evolution. You would agree with that. Okay just making sure we're on the same page and one of the newcomers to the block there although his work is so important with the uh, free organization and a seven thousand person study about what is the true nature of the contact abduction experience and what that means in terms of statistics Um, ray hernandez has done incredible work just in the last few years on that
2: It's not just me, it was an entire group of over 20 individuals, and Barbara was part of that team. Great. I want to thank her here at the stage.
0: Oh, thank you. So also I want to acknowledge the work of the heretics who really one of the early investigators since the 1970s they've been publicly exploring who's visiting our planet what are these extraterrestrial races but not just extraterrestrial ultra terrestrial UTs interdimensional cosmic beings how does that interface with who we are. What is, what is their real message here? So I'm happy you're both here, Dr. JJ Hertog, Dr. Desiree Hertog. Thank you for that. Is that true? When did you start your work, JJ? Thanks, Alan.
3: Actually, it was in the early 70s, uh, 71, 72.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. And thank you for continuing. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Desiree. Travis Walton, again, is one of the heroes of our team here. One of, he, he has withstood ridicule and slander just for saying what happened to him. Just for, hey, I mean, you weren't exactly an innocent bystander, but you were just standing by, and boom. But, you know, 45 years later, people are still questioning about, hey, did this really happen? I mean, if the story was any, I mean, you've held to your story because it's the truth. I mean, that's your experience. What's that? Was that a comment? (laughs) Anyway, thank you, Travis, for being here. and. I introduce my good friend Phil Gruber. We practically grew up together. Phil actually really introduced me to the whole field of this uh, conscious awareness and I'm not sure of your understanding about ETs, Phil. Do you want to give us a brief like description of what your relationship to the extraterrestrial or what the cosmic consciousness? No. Okay. (laughs) That's why he's my best friend, sure never answers my question directly. <laughs> okay, we'll get back to you. And Jason Quit, I think you represent the next generation, the millennial understanding of what's going on here and this uh integration of a of a spiritual consciousness. Would you have any comments about that about you're representing a kind of new wave of uh, people? Yeah, sure. Um. Uh, uh,
4: I basically, my whole life, um, or growing up, I thought this was completely normal and everybody knew about being a multidimensional being and leaving your body. And then I started to talk to people about it and I realized I had to shut up. So, Right, it's exactly. Good, it's good to bring it out uh, publicly. It's, a, it's, it's part of the healing process, I believe.
0: Okay, so that's, that's our ground rule. That's our framework here. And then we'll take some comments. So let me start with Whitley. I, I just want to acknowledge Whitley and Travis are really some of the foundational contactees in this whole field. I mean, they've opened up people's minds to so much possibility. So Whitley, in your understanding from making contact and then he wrote a book called Supernatural, which puts the whole thing into a new perspective. What do you make sense of now in terms of the, who these visitors are and what they're trying to do to help our evolution?
1: Well, thank you for asking me a simple question that I can answer easily.
0: Okay. Uh, there's no simple answer. <laughs> uh,
1: it, it, I think that because of our bodies, there and it's there's nothing wrong with any of this we are kind of living behind a barrier. And we, the barrier is the physical body and our senses, which direct us out into the physical world around us. And they do that because we need to sustain this very complicated, big, uh, blood-filled, organ-filled machinery. And so we're very fixated on the material world. And as over time the material world has become richer and richer, we have become spiritually poorer and poorer. Uh, And what is happening now is on one level, an attempt to reintroduce us to this lost or abandoned level of ourselves, Because for almost all of us, the soul is very hypothetical, even those of us who say, well, we have a soul. We can't actually sense anything on that level. We're anesthetized to it. And the result of this is that the whole thing has kind of gone off the rails, where there are now way too many of us. There's nobody to blame, by the way. The visitors explained to me a long time ago that it's about population Pressure that all this violence and so forth you see in our societies has to do with uh, an instinctive response to overpopulation, and you know they're not interested in our politics or anything at all. So uh, it, as to who they are, I think that one of the first things we have to do is to learn how to keep that in uh, in a uh, uh, useful question. Without, in other words, it's a question that you don't jump to answer and you don't say, well, these are demonic and these are angelic and this. these are reptilians. I don't like them. These are greys. They're kind of creepy but sort of okay. Um, the little trolls were funny until they got scary, et cetera, and so forth. Um, I've had all of those experiences. <laughs> That's why I said that. We need to instead to look inside ourselves and ask who am I? And once I'm beginning to really find myself, I will also find a way of of approaching this that makes sense to me in my life, in all of our lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, our dead are not dead, and they are very heavily involved in this process. Let me go back now and sort of change to the zodiac. I know it's a sudden change, but that's okay. We're just coming off of the age of Pisces. Pisces is a little fish swimming in the waters of life. The little fish is fed everything he needs by the waters of life, the earth. Now, the earth, the little fish gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Finally, the waters of the womb become bigger begin to become too, the the womb begins to become too small for the little fish. And what do you know? The earth begins to break her waters, and we start to go down the birth canal. And this is, definitely feels like we're dying, and and in a certain sense we are, because we are dying to our old selves and our old reality. That is the end of the age of Pisces, and the age of Aquarius comes along, and what do you see? The water... Carrier's pouring the water out because we are being poured out onto the shore. We're still a little fish. And who these beings are to group them together as a group, and they have many different ways of approaching us, many different concepts of what we are and who they are, etc. and so forth, including our own dead. They're midwives. They're midwives to the birth of man.
0: Mm, Thank you Whitley, very nice. Um, So Barbara, in your work have you seen an evolution from working with abductees, contactees as a kind of an awakening process happening or are you getting the same kind of things you've seen all along?
5: I've seen a lot of awakening amongst people. I started doing this work of regressing people to extraterrestrial encounters in 1991, and it's been a lot of people, uh, well over 2,000, and some of them have had a lot of regressions, um, amounting to, oh gosh, about 4,000 regressions, I think. So I've really seen a lot, and, um, Not only are there many, many different kinds of beings, whom we call extraterrestrial beings, uh, coming to Earth, but they all have different agendas. So it's very difficult to uh, sort of make blanket statements about the whole phenomenon. Uh, But in all of this work, all of these years, I have seen uh, people go from tremendous fear, which I could certainly understand, at having beings coming into the room or uh, making their car stop and, and then being taken away to some mysterious environment and all kinds of things being done to them. So I think there was a lot more fright in the early years of doing this work in the 1990s and the earlier 2000s. and But in the last several years, last few years, I should say, um, more and more people have been coming aware that they've had these kinds of experiences. And now, more than ever, uh, people are coming to know, wanting to know more of the meaning of these experiences and what is the larger picture going on here. Mm. And many of these beings who come to us are interdimensional beings so that's opened up the whole subject of us and what are we and are we interdimensional beings and and then bringing in the uh, whole spirit aspect of things uh, as as you very well know whitley yes. uh with Anne, and i've known from uh, people dear and near to me uh, who've deceased, and that that whole realm is very conscious and awake, aware, alive, active. Um, So a lot of people have been coming uh, who want to know more than anything, uh, not only about their experiences with these other beings from other realms, including extraterrestrials, but mainly knowing what is their main reason for being here in this life?
0: So maybe you agree with what Whitley's saying. It's like we're being birthed into a new consciousness, a new...
5: Yes, I definitely think so. And it's it's a joy for me to meet person after person. There are a lot of you here of this type who are really recognizing that we are so much more than just these human beings living in human bodies in this one lifetime. Um, I began all of this regression work um, in past life regression therapy for several years before getting into the extraterrestrial part of it. And um, and now it the whole work, the whole outlook is becoming so much more multi-dimensional, and the fact that we are all here, chosen by our souls, as I see it. This may develop as as I go further, but I I see it that we are ongoing, continuing souls, probably Mm. forever, as far as we know, and we do choose to come into these lifetimes. And it certainly seems like There are some major themes Mm. that we come into this lifetime to work on. And there may even be one overall purpose for coming into this life. Mm. And we can find that out by this process that we call regression, because we can go back to the soul state of being just before coming into this lifetime. And really seeing, knowing what our soul has chosen for us, Mm. for these major things and this major purpose to work on in this lifetime. So with all this part of the work, I really do see that more and more people are growing into the larger picture, the larger consciousness Mm. that we all are Mm. and that is in existence
0: thank you barbara thank you
5: actually, actually, what
0: what you said reminds me of one of my favorite quotes by John Mack, Professor Mack, who was a Harvard-trained psychiatrist who looked at abduction. He said, UFOs are like an outreach program from the universe for the consciously impaired. That's, that's us. <laughs> so like, we're, they are here to wake us up to something else, which I, I think really takes us to the heart of your work, Ray Hernandez, because what you started out was looking at the contact experience and you realize that was only a piece of it that was only a small portion of who we are as human beings so the work you're doing now is in consciousness taking and extending it but what do you think about what Whitley and Barbara said is the fact that we are waking up to in a way being a new species of awareness how does that fit into the work of what you're doing First of all, for the folks that do not
2: know who I am, I was part of a very large group of mainly PhD academics with researchers like Barbara, like um, Kathleen Martin, um, Mary Rodwell, uh, Denise Stoner, Dr. Leo Sprinkle, um, which grouped together the academics that were interested in this topic with the people who had their boots on the ground. And what we did over a five-year study is we did the world's first comprehensive academic research study of individuals that have had UFO contact, but also contact with non-human intelligence. And um, we published our data findings from over the five years of our research in an 820-page book titled Beyond UFOs, the science of consciousness and contact with non-human intelligence. And much of the data from our book uh, contradicts what is circulating in materialist mainstream ufology. Now, to address your question, yeah. I totally agree with what Whitley said and with what Barbara said. And let me start addressing that response by posing several questions other to folks here. The field of near death experiences. What year did that come into prominence? D- that was 1975 with the publication of Dr. Raymond's Moody, Life After Life, yeah. okay? The UFO contact uh, experience, when did it re- really take off, even before the internet? You mean uh, with Whitley's book
0: or with well, Betty and
2: Bonnie Hill? Argue, I would argue with, with Star Trek. With Star Trek. All of a sudden you had all these people talking about beings, right. space, other planets other dimensions okay and then people I was obsessed with that show got captivated again when did that take place we're talking about the early 70s which one which was the last thing with Star Trek oh right right okay so the UFO uh, and the space people and all of that really launched with uh, with uh, Star Trek uh, out-of-body experiences when did Robert Monroe begin to publish It was projects? probably the 70s also right in the 70s now is that a coincidence that three of the major what I call and our group calls contact modalities contact modalities are the different ways that humans are piercing the veil and having contact with non human intelligence I would argue the three major ones are UFO contact near-death experiences, and out-of-body experiences. is a coincidence that all three of them became known to humanity, and we're talking
0: before the Internet age.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah.
0: Pretty much quite within... late, Travis's experience was 75 okay. as well.
1: Yeah, so, there were... there yeah. were. Uh, that's also when close encounter experiences began to emerge, because Travis's experience took place then, the Pascagoula... Uh, uh, experience took place then and the Betty and Barney Hill experience became known in that in that era.
0: So it sort of goes along with what Whitley, Whitley said, the age of Aquarius in the well, 60s. L- l- uh, let me, let me go get ahead. to that point.
2: Okay? Now sure. my personal experiences have been orchestrated. Okay? The intelligence that were interacting with me they put things sequentially in place Mm -hmm. some of the people that know about my personal experiences know that these were orchestrated experiences whitley would probably say the same thing barbara would also agree to that she's nodding her head okay that a lot of these experiences are orchestrated experience. That means we're dealing with an intelligence that's able to manipulate space-time.
0: Do you think this experience tonight is orchestrated?
2: It's all orchestrated. All right, Now,
5: yeah.
2: Now, Welcome. what I'm getting at is that what our survey revealed, and this is a survey of over 4,200 people from over 100 countries, was that 85% of these individuals be totally transformed themselves. From when the first experiences started to the very end. Okay? Um, once you've had an out-of-body experience, you know you're not flesh and blood. You know you're, you're much more complicated than that. You know you're a spiritual entity. Once you've had a near-death experience, you realize that there is life after death, that you're not just, you know, bones. Uh, once you've had these UFO contact experiences, a vast majority of people, the overwhelming number, are having diverse paranormal experiences. Right. For example, 80% have had out of body experiences. So these individuals go through this metamorphosis. And that's the word. It's a process. You start off as a cocoon, not as a cocoon, as a caterpillar. The metamorphosis process is the cocoon period, and you come out as a butterfly okay we're still in the cocoon now right well for the individual experiencers that have had many years of these experiences they're totally different they don't fear death you don't fear death you don't fear death i don't fear death almost anyone here doesn't fear death less egotistical less materialistic more loving more ecologically friendly okay you're more consciously aware okay these are all um, changes that take place at the experiential level. So I think what's taking place is that humanity is being awakened to our multi-dimensional reality, that we are not just flesh and bone, that, that there is, as some people might call, a spirit world, you know, that aspects of it, but basically that we continue after death, mm-hmm. and that we as humans are much more complicated than what our material reality is. Uh,
0: leads you to believe. So we have so, to redefine ourselves as human beings, I mean, who we think correct, we are correct. as humans. and
2: that's what I think is taking place. I think it's taking place now in our generation, and all of us that have agreed to come here at this time period have a role to place, everyone here mm-hmm. on this board, to awaken humanity to this new paradigm that we are multi-dimensional <laughs> beings, that we're interacting with a diverse array of non-human intelligence via consciousness, which we still know almost nothing
0: about. Right. So I, I agree with both. No, thank you. I want to talk to the orchestra leader here. <laughs> no, but, but I will talk to JJ Hertog, who's who in a way has been through that cocoon process and has come out and has had some transhuman experiences. And where what what are we becoming, JJ, Dr. Hertog? Because you you've seen the the scope of multiple-dimensional realities. Where are
3: we going? We are forging a new anthropology. I would call it homo universalis, universal humanity. We're realizing that we have cosmic dimensions. We're multidimensional beings. In my research with colleagues at SRI, Stanford Research Institute, it was very clear years ago through government-sponsored studies that we had also the ability of non-local energy... P- coordinations, and consciousness projection. So we are, Desiree and I, involved for many years now with uh, uh, contact experiences of the fourth kind and the fifth kind, and with the higher non-physical, spiritual, interdimensional levels of cosmic intelligence.
6: So
0: what does the new human being look
3: like, then, that we're becoming?
6: So, uh, yeah, he passes the uh, baton to me. Basically, we are able to do more with who we are. I think that's really important for all of us so that we are never at a loss for being able to manifest reality. So if we want to heal something, if we want to manifest something, we're more and more Empowered to do that, but one of the good things about being here in the physical dimension, if I can say, is some of our thoughts are not necessarily uh, what we want to always manifest. So we have to learn. This is kind of Dr. Jack calls it schoolhouse Earth. We're learning what to do with our energies, and we're doing it in a way. Yes, we manifest really negative things sometimes, but. For the most part, hopefully, it's not affecting whole worlds. In some cases, of course, it is. But can you imagine if you have that power, what would you do with it? And I think that's the real questions that we're going through now. If we have the power to heal, if we have the power to make war, if we have the power to love, if we have the power to destroy, you know, what are you doing with your energies? And those beings on the other side have those powers. They also have a consciousness ability, which is beyond what we have developed to date. But This
3: is unconditional use of power, unconditional use of love, unconditional use of the power of the higher mind. So is there a, a space law system out there? Are there guidelines for the cosmic who's who? These are questions that bring us all together, and I highly respect those on this panel, as having the patience, but also having the... Humanistic side of recognizing that we must keep our compassion for life. We must keep our higher interest on a much higher level, serving all humanity rather than the elites of technical knowledge or insiders of the uh, deep state who want things to play out according to a certain direction.
6: Mm.
3: So we're at a critical crossroads. We must keep the doors of the schoolhouse and windows of the schoolhouse open for the greater teachers coming this way, but also realize that we are a part of the teaching of the avant-garde.
0: Yeah, we have to be the example of the higher consciousness. We have to be the new human beings. I mean, So I want to ask Travis, so what, what Ray says about it's sort of all being set up and coordinated, did you feel that about your experience? Or did you feel like, oh, I'll just pass that light and go down the road? <laughs> I do.
7: Um, and it was, it, you know, this uh, coincidences that are too great to, to be mere chance. Uh, you know, the synchronicities, it seems too much to be... Like, like what, if you want to share? Pardon? What kind of synchronicities? What coincidences? I'm, uh, many things. Uh, it seems to be by design rather than accidental, including what I was talking about earlier about sightings. You know, people, you know, we can't imagine that these beings are suddenly, oh, some, uh, I got spotted by a human being again. Dang, you know. No, no. It's, <laughs> it's much more deeper than that. Uh, to go on, you know, I think that if you see one as an adult and uh, you saw one as a child, uh, they know it's you. And they not only know they're being seen, you're actually being shown. It's a deliberate exhibition for the purpose of uh, bringing us to uh, a state where we can uh, interact with them in a non-destructive fashion. The power that they were referring to, you know, uh, we all know that's intrinsic to an extremely advanced intelligence, the power. And the mere fact that they continue to exist is proof that they've overcome evil and are using this power in a positive way because otherwise they would have destroyed themselves the mere fact that they're still there tells us this is not some evil plot to take over the earth it's all about getting us ready for a better Uh, Future.
0: I mean, I'm sure you've been asked this question before, but what do you think your life would have been like if you didn't get out of that truck? If you, I mean, do you ever think about that? Oh yes, you know,
7: and I felt a tremendous regret for what was lost, you know, and I wish I had not got out of that truck. And uh, all I can do is try to make something good come of it. You know, I'm stuck with it. I tried walking away from it, and it it only made things worse, so...
0: But how have you expanded as a human being because
7: of this, you know... I think it's experience. definitely forced me to grow in in many ways, and in trying to help others uh, who, uh, you know, are facing the trauma. But just doing these battles um, on my, on a personal level, and, you know, the people around me, the other crewmen and whatnot... It's all been uh, very educational in, in terms of, you know, just coping and growing in a way that's going to be constructive rather than destructive.
0: Do you think at some, at some, maybe you were a test case, okay, let's take this guy who's cutting down trees and let's see how he can handle the social pressure, because I think that's worse than what happened to you with the ETs, the, the attack by the media on you. So,
7: well, I don't know what's worse, being right. a test case or the result of an accident, you know. Um, I don't know, but, you know, uh, either way, it's uh, not what I had planned for my life.
0: No, but look how how many more people you've met than just hanging out in the woods, you know. Uh, (laughs) No, I think it's been fascinating. No, for you to come out and, and and show what human beings are made of, that you can stick by the truth. I mean, don't you feel as maybe a sense of responsibility to the experience itself to... Oh, definitely, you know. It's given
7: me an overview of humanity and the problems that exist for us all and the ways that various people attempt to cope with it. So it's it's been uh, definitely... Uh, um, you know, a laboratory of experience, a, a great overview of uh, a bro- much broader perspective on humanity than I ever would have had.
0: What about the spiritual perspective at Whitley and Barbara? Has that, have, has that come yeah, to you? Yeah, you know, people very
7: often ask me about how does this figure into religious questions? And I always say, well, you know, I'm, I think I'm more of a spiritual person than a religious person because, and spirituality has to do with a, a level of understanding and stuff that has less to do with organized religion than with uh, the kind of growth that we all are experiencing, and by all I mean on the entire planet.
0: Wow. Well, thank, thank you. Thank you. And, and you, do you want to share about some of the other revelations you may have gotten since that first contact that's deep. <laughs> okay. Well, we're here. We're a deep crowd. <laughs> I think we are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're on your side, Travis.
7: Uh, Fire in the Sky book two.
0: Fire in the Sky book two. Okay. <laughs> Oh, just a little. No, no, seriously, we are going to do a
7: remake of the original movie. I, I want to get away from Hollywood's uh, invading monsters take on this and reach more towards the uh, understanding I gradually came to. It's an entirely different, you know, I, I still want to communicate the trauma that it was, but uh, explain that it was a misunderstanding, that I didn't um, truly understand what was happening. And, yes, it was the most horrifying, traumatic experience of my life, but only because I lacked understanding.
0: Right. I, 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 yes. And I think what we're trying, do, we're trying to do in the panel is to bring understanding so when you are confronted by whatever level of, of consciousness that Ray is talking about, you can meet that as as a spiritual being instead of, like, running. Because I think we're the same as whoever's ever out there on a soul level. So I think this is one of the reasons for gathering in groups like this that Neil put this together. So thank you, Travis. Thank you. Thank you. I mean... Phil has had a vast amount of experience and has studied the esoteric literature. So within the esoterica that you, you know, the metaphysical literature you studied, how do you fit this sort of conversation in there?
8: Well, I prepared something pretty special. We all seem to be searching for something that was lost. And in order to connect us with the ongoing moment of creation, which is, I think, why we're here. We are every moment of every day, or speaking for myself, in contact with all extra meta ultra terrestrial intelligence. I've concocted a a little exercise here to connect us with that ongoing moment of creation and hopefully a true contact experience with higher intelligence if you could close your eyes and breathe easily and gently. Since this is about consciousness, and everything is consciousness, it's to the extent that we're conscious of the fact that everything is consciousness, this is the trick. Breathe easily and gently, and as an homage to everyone that's on this panel and everyone that's in this audience today. In the name of Yahweh, yod Hey vod Hey. Divine Father, Mother, God of God of gods, he who is, because I will tell you as I start, the shape and geometry of these particular thought forms can free gravitationally trapped light. We don't always have to be here. He who is, she, she who is, always was, and always will be, ho on kai en kai ho er o minos, issuing from the first mystery, all of us who've issued from the first mystery, Proton Mysterion. In the name of the sons and daughters of light, Beneor or Elohim. Sons and daughters of light, voi photos, we focus our love and grace now on the meta substance of divine thought forms, the divine names of the living God, crystallizations as we all are of the creative thoughts of God, cast down many of us from the regions of negative space, but all of us from the true treasury of light. And we remembered that the shape and geometry of thought forms can free gravitationally trapped light. We live always aware or unaware of within the vibration of God's names, ET, MT, ultra-terrestrials, multi-dimensionals, having no thought devoid of ourselves as divine creations. The Shekinah, the presence of God who lost her name, we've all looking for our true names. We're lost in the wilderness, orphans of the storm, lost brides, bridegrooms, forgotten princesses, sleeping beauties. Clothed in black, now is the time of the awakening of the beauty in each and every one of us. With no eyes, now we return in brilliant white radiance. She, We are the synthesis of all the sacred names, fully conscious when the temple in man and woman is rebuilt in memory of her. She returns with the ecclesia of the spiritual Israel, From a state of exile in the lower worlds, passing through the worlds of chaos, she returns now, she who has bond us, the manacles of our lower thought forms. As Blake said, now returns as the liberating angel, liberating matter from its bondage in the lower worlds. And as we master our own names, the Baal Shem, we become what's known as the Rokha Ba We're the riders of the storm. We ride through crystalline, heckle channels, white and black holes, to penetrate the magnetic veils that separate us from the fullest experience of ourselves to be fully conscious, to be fully self-aware and self-conscious. No longer separated from our parent source, the name is the rose, a rose among thorns, the dove of peace. at the time of Tikkun, we are God's holy
0: sparks. Oh, oh. Thank you, Phil. I guess you can't really follow that with much, can you? OK. All right. So, Jason, it's up to you to pull it all together. <laughs> you're to <gonna> switch seats. <laughs> um, but really, what is your take on this new being we're becoming? And in a way, you're almost halfway there.
4: Well, what I will say is, um, as I look back at my experiences, which have been happening my whole life, I could tell you that there is some type of intelligence out there that is basically testing us at the individual level and it's our responsibility to actually walk that path ourselves there's really nobody here to to really help us and i believe this is the way that we're going to evolve and move forward is that we have to learn how to navigate this multi-dimensional world we have to learn how to navigate these spiritual astral realms and there are many of them with many different beings and it's extremely confusing Uh, Once you, I I call it the real birth, once you're birthed in the out-of-body experience and you start to navigate these new worlds that open up to you, you come in contact with many types of beings. And there are beings that will come to you that look like angels, and they're not angels. There are beings that will come to you that look like your family or your friends, and they're not your family and they're not your friends. Because certain beings can take many different forms. And you have to learn how to see in that world with a different eye, with a different feeling. And if a being will come to you and speak to you, it's usually a test. And you have to kind of learn how to navigate. So if a being comes to you and you perceive that being to be dark or negative, is that you putting your belief system on that being? Mm -hmm. If it comes to you a beautiful being, are you putting your belief that that's a beautiful being? So you have to kind of... Let go of all these beliefs that we've been taught and start to learn how to navigate new worlds. So it's like we're a baby being birthed into these new things, but our teachers are this higher guidance that are allowing us to see how far we can go, how many steps will we take
0: in these new worlds, or are we going to get afraid Mm -hmm. and step back? So you're asking us to become aware of the sense of self. I think, in a way, everyone is saying that. What is the, the emanations of the being, the eternal being that we are? How do we, when we start to get that sense of that inner self, we then get to even ground with these whoever these beings are? Yes. And, and what I've come to understand is uh, it's
4: something very important is that we play all roles on all levels. What does that mean? It means that, let's say, a being will come to teach me a lesson. Let's say it's a very hard lesson. I can't tell you how many times I've died in the astral world, but I'm still here. (laughs) Um, But that being, I may consider it to be a horrific experience or a very negative experience, but after I look back at that experience, I know that it was a part of myself teaching me a great lesson in that world. So then, when it actually manifests and happens to me again, I know exactly the way to handle that situation, and you get this kind of control. This is the only way I could describe it. You become, um, you get a strength in these worlds where um, you can actually start to control the situations. So when you're first dropped into these worlds, it's almost like you're being pulled to places. uh, You're getting used and abused and hurt, or your energy is being taken. And eventually, when you learn how to navigate and protect yourself, you get to a point where that will stop. And if something does come, you have uh, this type of strength and control in those worlds that it took many, many years of being in those worlds to get to that point.
0: I think that's what Ray's study has proven in a way with the contact abduction experience, right? You said people started off as negative, and then they turned it around through their kind of experiential and see these contact modalities as a positive thing. And well, that takes me to Whitley Strieber again. You, you started the whole thing, with <laughs> No, but what I want to also ask you, Whitley, is um, one of the things that was said to you, or you remember hearing, I'm not sure how it was, but there's a
1: new world coming if you can take it. Yeah, that's, that comes from uh, Colonel Philip Corso, who uh, I met at the 50th anniversary of the Roswell incident in Roswell. And he had just published a book uh about his experiences in this, and this was one of them and uh I, I thought that it was it immediately thought it was authentic because uh, he he this phrase a new world he, he, what happened was he was found himself in a direct confrontation with an entity that was trying to leave. I don't know how true this part of the story is and I'm sure he doesn't either because as Barbara knows it's very hard to make sense of these things when they happen. You 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 have to pull, to pull it out of your own experience and what happened may not have anything to do with anything you've ever known. So you have to sort of hope you put it together correctly and that's how Phil took this. He had been it was in a situation where there were ETs or something in a cave that was wanting a radar turned off, but, so they could leave, and they couldn't leave with this radar turned on. And he was, he heard in his head that they needed this, and he said aloud, "I, I think this is the correct story." Um, t- they needed it for ten minutes, and he said, ten minutes is a long time. In my business, it could be forever." he's a military man and what's in it for us and the answer was a new world if you can take it now the rest of this his story may or may not be correct and I may not even be relating it correctly it's been a long time since I read the book but that sentence is the truth it, it, go, go ahead. No, no, that's only if we
0: don't evolve, if we can
1: take if we're well, in this well, evolutionary it, process. Yeah, it means a lot of different things. A new world, if you can take it, that is to say, if you can bear it, not easy. If you can wrest it out of my, our hands and they will not let us have it unless we can take it from them. And so it has at least those two meanings. And m- my experience of of the few things the visitors have said to me is that they've always been packed with multiple meanings uh, mm-hmm. or with no meaning at all. Like the time I, I was having the communion tour and I was just struggling so, and suddenly I saw three of them in my bedroom in, the, in our country house in upstate New York. And I immediately said, how am I doing? Because I was going out there and getting beat up Uh, ruthlessly on television and the radio and everything it was horrible and they all answered at the same time with different answers and I couldn't understand a word of it And then they Was it a good thing? Were they, were, they, were they happy about how you were doing? I don't know what they were. I do know, though, that they were, that they, they, I have been a big practical joker in my life, and the biggest joke I've ever been involved in is the one that's been played on me by the appearance <laughs> of the visitors.
0: But what about the fact that, in a sense, we are becoming the ETs? I mean, I had an experience of you, Whitley, after a lecture where I sort of... Saw you transform. I don't want to give away any secrets, but you, your eyes flash. Okay, we won't. No no, that. go ahead. You've no, started now. No, I'm don't, saying don't, don't we are becoming. We are all becoming a sort of et. Because we actually always were, not of this earth totally. That's
1: my experience. Well, look at the planet and look at us. Uh, the planet has violent seasons. During the period of its extreme cold, the last period of extreme cold, uh, known as the Ice Age, what happened to us? All of our hair fell out. We ended up naked. Naked, we had to figure out how to clothe ourselves. Uh, We were in a situation where there was very difficult to get food, and we had to organize into societies in order to do that. And we still aren't completely integrated into this place. Whether we came here, or dropped here, or evolved here, and had a series of terribly unfortunate experiences, I don't know. But here we are, naked and alone. Naked and afraid, like the show, right? (laughs) What show? There's a show on television, naked and afraid. I don't watch much television, but I take your word for it. (laughs) So, okay, we're here, and now what? Let's ask them. The rest of the panel probably has ideas about now what? No, but I think we're
0: evolving. That's what I'm getting the sense of, that everyone has a piece on this.
1: Well, I think we are, too. I think that that there is a, a tremendous amount of evolutionary... But like the last time, about 12,000 years ago, something big hit this planet. Big. And that's the era of the floods and all of the... the uh, You know what happened in this continent then? And this is not speculative. This is, this is ordinary geology. You learn it in college. Is whatever happened, there was a fire... That literally covered most three quarters of the North American continent, it, and there's a remain there. And then there was a flood, because the ice melted, the the Laurentian ice sheet melted, right after the fire. Robert Schock talks about yeah. this. Yes. and it flooded the whole the whole continent, and then that water, as that water receded, the ash and the plankton that had been on its surface settled to into the mud and over the years this became known as the black mat and you can still find it all over in fact uh, not too far east and north of here you'll find if you dig down about 11 or 12 feet there'll be this line of blackness then that's the black mat left over from that period um and that's just a little bit of what happened. All over the world there are stories of these floods. Huge numbers of people were wiped out. The bizarre events that took place in the human experience in the human mind such as the Gobekli Tepe where all of these dolmens were created over a long period of time and then intentionally buried and they've only uncovered a few of them. There's a huge number of them out there. Uh, or or Stonehenge was built you know how long it took to build Stonehenge it took 500 years now can you imagine Mm -hmm. us in our culture building something for 500 years of course we couldn't do it Mm -hmm. but the, the tremendous shock that hit us then Is going to be repeated. It's going to happen again. Unless we evolve. No, no, the shock is going to make us evolve. The shock will hit us. We We evolved then. We came in, we went into that situation in one state and came out of it in another. The same thing is going to happen this time. Let me get, well, okay. It's not going to be pretty but it is going to work believe me
0: well let jj has something to say jj you have a comment then i'll go down the panel
3: back 45 years ago we spoke of cataclysmic geology desiree and i published reports on the rapid melting of the north and south pole uh 15 times faster than the model suggested at that time in the early 70s the scientific establishment ignored all of the warnings that we gave we're headed for um what I would call a roller coaster ride. So we have to fasten our seat belts. But we will survive. We've got help upstairs. Right. But we have to be aware that the scientific community has to. Change or reevaluate its ontology as to what is the meaning of truth, what does it mean of science, what does it mean of evolution? Because we are multi dimensional beings waking up in a vast, living, loving universe if we follow the higher paths.
6: Yeah, and exactly. So many people feel the extraterrestrials started coming here again, even though, the, of course, they've been coming for thousands of years because of the uh, nuclear bomb blast, because that's why they were seen often around the Trinity site and they've been seen in other places. That's one. Aspect, but what uh, Whitley is also saying is we agree with that because of what we would call climate change or environmental changes, they're also coming. And according to our work, uh, and specifically the Keys of Enoch, they've been the ones giving us the information for the last 45 years to speed up our science and our information and our wisdom, and that includes archaeology and astrophysics, so that we can be prepared for this. handshake that we need to be prepared for. So because of these changes, as what Whitley is saying, we really have been given this information, and so now we have to be able to use it.
3: Alpha and Omega, the archaeological wonders of the past civilizations that were here on Mother Earth, and the Omega, the Omega minus knowledge of future civilizations that we'll be connected with as we become cosmic citizens.
0: So, you say it's really time we have to grow up and um, take responsibility for m- our mess.
3: Yeah, right. And, 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 and do a dance while we grow up. Do a dance? Cosmic dance, like the ancient Vedas speak of. Okay. Vedas, <laughs> Sanskrit text. I I also
0: wanted to find out how much are we evolving into the ETs themselves? Like in your work, Barbara, do you see more of a merging of us with what people say? Is there contact experiences with those beings that are making contact with us?
5: Oh, I think a lot of people are uh, receiving information from the extraterrestrials and perhaps other dimensional beings as well. I mean, We hear about downloads of information. It's happening with a lot of people whom I know. And the downloads could happen uh, when they're sleeping. Uh, sometimes a longer, really detailed download seems to be happening when people are so deeply asleep that they cannot be awakened. By whomever is sleeping with them and would like to wake them up. Uh, sometimes it happens when people are meditating or just driving or walking, going about their daily lives, but a lot of people are getting information about physics. Uh, there's a man I know in the Los Angeles area who's uh, for about a year or so now has been getting downloads about what he calls Advanced physics, and he never had any background at all in physics, and um, and he's getting information about a new system of mathematics. Uh, this is just one example of many, but uh, many people are getting um, information of a more spiritual nature, and some are getting um, information about health, uh, health situations, health advices and so forth. So I think there's really a lot of this. Maybe maybe it's always been happening. I no, don't I don't
0: think it's always yeah. been happening. I think we've been but asleep it, and now somebody's waking us up.
5: That's my... Yeah. It, it certainly seems like that. And, and more, look at all the people here. Right. Uh, there are more and more people going to gatherings like this because they are awakening and opening up. It's really, mm-hmm. really very exciting. W- what the, I don't see so much, though, is the really young people. Uh, I may wow. be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I don't see teenagers and like people in their 20s, particularly. I'm
0: almost 40.
1: Oh,
5: you're not age. Yeah, but oh. you know, <laughs> yeah,
1: that worries me too. Yeah. But uh, at the same time, when I was in my 20s, I had no interest in any of this. I only had an interest in one thing. Um, girls. Oh, and booze. Booze was interesting, too. Uh, well, you're from Texas, so... Marijuana probably would have been, but it was illegal then. Uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, they're in a different sp- headspace. But what we do, do need to see is more people in their... 30s and 40s and so forth. And when I look out across this crowd, frankly, I see a lot of you are in that age group. So good, you know. I think this is working fine. I'm not so concerned about it. I mean, if there were a bunch of 20 year olds in here, we might be in considerable amount of trouble.
0: Really? But I think we're being forced to evolve. We're being pressured. Uh, Travis, what were you going to say? Well.
7: You know, many people are coming out to these sorts of events, and uh, uh, yes, they're awakening, but uh, not to discover a monolithic truth. What right. they're awakening to is a search and a questioning. And, you know, we need to be wary of an orthodoxy. Uh, this is the way it is. Uh, I've been to hundreds of these over the years, and I uh, noticed that... There are so many different um, takes on the uh, things, and, and many of them are contradict each other. So, it's what we're doing is um, sorting it out and deciding, you know, what's valid, what works, how it all fits together, and so it's, uh, um, you know, it's a process of refinement. It's it's the nature of growth uh, that we're all going through. Uh, It's inevitable. It's a part of life. Life is an improvement and a
0: refinement. uh, uh, You see, um, you you have learned a lot since you've been contacted. (laughs) You you really have. Because I think that's really smart that there are no absolute truth. We can't say this is how it is and say someone has the answer. You're right. We have to find it. Well, one
7: of my favorite uh uh, sayings lately to people that come to me and say here's the whole ufo picture from bottom one end to the other and it doesn't agree with 10 others you know i just ask them how do you know this uh, exactly yes what verifiable facts and can you direct me to where i'll be as certain of that as you are and uh That's where I get... uh, um, Well, you know, I'm searching too. I don't have answers. I try to label things that are my opinion as well. That's just my opinion. That's just what I think.
0: I think that's very important. Let's talk to Phil who has the answers. Okay, Phil, tell us. You think so? No. <laughs>
8: we're, we're, we're all waking. We're all the memory is coming back. We're all reawakening. We've all been like those Sleeping Beauties. And remember all the way they try all the ways they tried to awaken Sleeping Beauty, only one thing worked. Remember? The prince kissed her. It was the kiss of peace. And it 's good to remember that our word "kiss" comes from the Scottish Gaelic word "kithe," which means "to appear without disguise," to be genuine, to be authentic, and listen. And when the memory comes back of who we are, who we were, and who we will be, this is all happening now. We can 't help but be experiencers. When that memory comes back, there's going to be memories of joy and memories of pain. And memories of and things that we'll have to feel we'll have to forgive ourselves for. We'll have to make apologies. Isn't that true? Mm. Apology comes from the word Apollo. It means not many. So when you apologize, you're reaffirming the oneness. And I think it's said in the Pisa Sophia, progressive apology places you in a position of having never been separated from the source. Mm. connecting with the ongoing moment of creation this is what I think our ultimate destiny is is to connect with that ongoing moment of creation to remember in our lifetimes we will know the 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 full the fullness of what we are in our memories in our times we will have the full revelation Mm. of who we are and who we were meant to be and where we come from, and where we're going from here. Always
3: home. This is Sophia, The Lost Teachings of Jesus from the ancient Coptic text.
0: But you know, I think there's a quickening, I mean, I think the times are at hand. There is a speeding up, a quickening, probably since 1987 or 2012, whatever time clock. And
6: the 70s, don't forget.
0: The 70s. It all did begin in the 70s after the age of Aquarius, the dawning of the age of Aquarius. And we're moving into this time where the old ways are dropping away. You could see that in the media and politics. Something old is dying and something new is trying to be born. And that's why I think Ray, you're you're wor- you're, you're so um, you're so fired up about this work. It's uh, you're you feels like you're compelled to. It's like beyond you. You know what I'm saying? It's like something is pushing through you to deliver this uh, message, this this findings. I mean, do you feel that in your own work? Well, I mean, it seems like that to me. I, yeah. I usually don't talk about my personal experience. You can. We're among friends. But, um, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs>
2: I had a conversation with Whitley earlier, and I told him some of my more crazier experiences, and, and his tongue was wagging out as well with some of the stories I told him. But um, basically, I was uh, shown all of the contact
0: modalities, how it works in consciousness, But you're Um, compelled to do this. You're you're like driven. You're on fire. (laughs) Because like
2: everyone else, all of us on this table have a mission. And the mission is to continue waking humanity. And initially we started with gathering data. On the UFO contact experience.
0: Right, but I just want to say, it came out of nowhere for you. You were just a lawyer, looking, whatever, and oh. then all of a sudden, boom. When you have your wife disappear right in front of you. Is that what happened? And you
2: have your dog, who you were going to be euthanizing later that afternoon, <laughs> rematerialized 45 minutes later after you've been put to sleep. What? The wife yes. is dancing in the middle of the living room. Saying, hey, you Hello, have no you. idea. Yes. Hallelujah.
1: <laughs> he'll, he'll get to, at some point in his life a willingness to tell his personal stories, Uh, and listen, you expect to just have the tops of your head blown off and sent into the stratosphere. This guy had, I mean, he, he, he had experienced an extraordinary shock of consciousness. And, and, in fact, he's, strangely enough, still with us. <laughs> so, <laughs>
0: well, because we uh, needed someone like you and your passion to start to... It, it, it lasted life. two and a half years.
2: Yes. And um, just like most of the people in our survey, 37% ha- viewed it as very uh, negative. To me, it wasn't so much negative. It was just I couldn't deal with the ontological shock. But um, you
0: are dealing with it by... And,
2: and I got drunk for a whole week straight. Okay. okay. <laughs> After I had an experience of uh, reincarnation, of missions, of past lives, of mission here on Earth, you know, all this craziness. Maybe, maybe your test I, case for what's happening. I got drunk for a week straight, and then until they sent me another messenger to bitch slap me in the face to wake up. <laughs> <And> so, uh, <laughs> Did you say bitch <laughs> so slap you in uh, the face? <laughs> but, you know, it, look, I'm not the only one. There are literally tens of thousands of people people that took our surveys, thousands of people, they're having these profound experiences. Oh. Most of the people that took our surveys, they never told anyone else. At least they told a seven. brother or a sister, yeah. family member, no one else. Because why? Because they're too freaking crazy to
1: tell anybody else. Well, you know, you read the, the book that Anne put together. She, you know, We got, after communion, it was before email, fortunately, and we got thousands and thousands of letters, you know, probably 250,000 at least over the next over a five-year period and I mean a lot of letters and Anne was First she was a very fast reader. I couldn't handle it It was just the mail people would come with these huge bags and just pour them in the living room in the he, heaps and She said well she said one day she said, you know, I need a secretary and I said yes, you do and She said well, I'll find one in these letters and I thought, no, I said, I said to her, well, I'll call manpower. She said, no, I'll find one in the letters. And a few minutes later, she said, I found the secretary. And she hands me this letter. And it's from a la- lady who tells, says in the letter that she's a uh, singer and, a, and a, uh, uh, an actress. And I said, look, it says here, she's a singer and an actress, Anne. She said, have you ever heard of her? I said, No look at the handwriting. It's the handwriting of a professional. I I said, well, that could be true. She said, she also lives down the street. She's our secretary. Wait and see. She called her up and, and she was she came 15 minutes later 10 minutes later she was at the house she was an excellent secretary they worked together for 15 years that, uh, her name mad. was laurie barnes and you can read about her story in many of my books it's one of the most extraordinary stories this is the acceleration of consciousness. Yeah, yeah exactly and yeah. you know my wife was just in it she knew what she was doing from the very beginning the, i mean the minute she she and she but, still does she still does, exactly. I mean, she's, she's doing this. Mm-hmm. She's all about this barrier between the living and the dead falling down. She's there on the other side working to make that happen right now. And when she died, she died with intention and no fear. She didn't commit suicide. She let her body finish its work intentionally. And it was, an, it was the hardest thing that ever happened to me in my life. Also the most beautiful and the most noble. Mm. As Annie was dying, I suddenly I was in the other room and I suddenly heard her voice say to me, Whitley, come in here right now. I am dying right now. And I went in and she was almost in a coma. I mean, I think she was in a coma, but I had heard this in my head. I ran in, I lay down beside her, I put my hand on her heart, and I felt the last beats of my wife's heart. Mm. And then I saw her ascend. And it was the most beautiful thing I have ever seen. The color of blue was beyond, beyond belief it was so beautiful. And she went up into it, looking down at me with this <laughs> amused expression on her face. And, 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 but a serious amused expression, and um, for some reason about an hour later I decided to throw out her socks. I don't know why, and I, I went down and threw out her socks. I heard her say, why are you throwing out my socks? <laughs> I, I said, I don't know. <laughs> the socks are still there, I put them back. They're actually. I bought other socks. They had thrown them already in the trash. I bought other identical socks and put them in there. I mean, it was a crazy time. Wild things were happening. It was all happening. It was kind of. I, I was kind of being short circuited by the intensity of it. And but God, what a wonderful experience! And this is what this is all about. This is what He keeps trying to yeah. talk about. I'm trying. He's to trying talk. to get us to talk about. So I'm talking about it. Yeah. It's about yes, thank this. You. Yeah. Thank you.
2: It's, Thank you. If I could make a comment on that. Thank you. Okay. Ray. Thank you. Here I was, Ray Hernandez, total atheist, material rationalist, mm-hmm. and I'm going to talk a little bit about my experiences. Okay.
1: Uh, yeah. I do. Yeah. It's time, Ray.
2: Okay. <laughs> I thought would have thought everyone here were a bunch of crazies. Okay. Mm-hmm. This intelligence, as we all talked about, this is all preordained. It's a, it's a setup job for you at an individual level. It's an inside job, yeah. Over a four-month period, they transformed me from a total atheist material rationalist. At the end of these experiences, they did it through a series of near-death-related experiences, Mm -hmm. where after I saw this big, gigantic UFO that was 30 feet away from me, huge, it was like a football stadium, witnessed by my daughter and three friends for 45 minutes. Right after that, I saw a video on near-death experiences okay and i was like whoa what the hell is this i immediately ordered like 20 books from amazon Mm -hmm. i spent the next four months increasing my time but the last month it was 12 to 18 hours a day reading nothing but nde books all this time the last month my wife was going to divorce me Mm -hmm. you know you're a crazy man you, you're not, you're um, all you're doing is the, reading these books. You don't care about the family. You're, I wasn't doing any of my work. I was at the point of being fired, okay? And um, you were obsessed. I, I wasn't taking a shower, okay? <laughs> That's a little obsessed. Uh, I wasn't yeah. grooming myself, okay? I was a crazy madman. And my wife, you need to go to a psychiatrist. They got pills for you, they can take care of you, whatever. But all these four months, I never told anyone about near-death experiences only my wife Mm -hmm. now what are the statistical probabilities of the first three people you ever mentioned ndes to three days in a row friday saturday and sunday all of them had ndes the first one was my daughter's pediatrician the second one was this man max at at a church-related social function and the last person was my father okay Mm -hmm. The first two people, the way I introduced it, was a channeled voice that came out of my body. Excuse me, doctor. Have you heard the term near-death experiences? I've just finished reading approximately 300 books on the topic. Many of them were written by medical doctors such as myself, and it's a phenomenon that you need to know about. So immediately, I was like... I'm schizophrenic, I'm dual, dual personality, I am going crazy. I gotta go to the psychiatrist. And Then I saw the doctor's eyeballs pop out like this, and I said, oh my God, I've offended the hell out of this woman, now she thinks I'm crazy. She said, excuse me doctor, I didn't mean to offend you, I apologize, I don't know why I said that. No, no, there's no need to apologize. How did you know I had one? Hmm. Okay, then she goes on to tell me her NDE. Next, this person, Max, at, uh, on Saturday, this, then the very next day, finally, my father had the most profound NDE of any book I ever read.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and he never told you before?
2: He never told me. Okay? My, he had told, spoke with my mother after he had come out of heart surgery. Mm-hmm. Okay, And that was the only time they, they spoke about it. So I said, my father was like the Cuban Archie Bunker. Okay? <laughs> I said... I need to give this man some type of spirituality before he dies. He was bedridden. He was 85 years old. Very, very sick, you know. So I need to tell him what happened on Friday, what happened on Saturday. Now, this was Sunday. He goes, ah, that happened to me. I said, what? You know. Then he goes on, he says, uh, remember when I had the, the open heart surgery for quadruple heart bypass? He says, I floated out of my body. And I saw all the doctors and nurses underneath me. And all of a sudden, a vacuum cleaner sucked me up. Okay, that he was going through a tunnel at 1,000 miles per hour, flying through there. Now, we're talking about Archie Bunker here, right. Cuban Archie Bunker. And then uh, he went through this light, and then uh, the light slowly dissipated. And then was his father, mother, and his brother, all deceased, began interacting with him telepathically. Hmm. And then he said, uh, the next words that he said was that time doesn't exist. So what do you mean time doesn't exist? No, I was up there 20 or 30 years. Wow. I said, what do you mean 20 or 30 years? He says, that's how long it took God to show me my entire life. He didn't know the concept of a life review. Wow. Roughly one out of every four NDE experiencers has a life review. He then said that he relived all of these experiences, not only inside his body, but inside the body of the other person that he had affected. Wow! And then after each of the experiences, first of all, God was not this guy on the throne with a long beard. Okay, He describes it as, a, as a, an energy being, like a humanoid, but you couldn't tell any physical features. All communication was telepathic. Okay, And then he said, um, after each of these, God would tell him, okay, my son, what did you learn from that? So he said, there is no hell, because God is pure love. Mm. He says, we're just here on this planet to learn how to love. That's all. I mean, I'm freaking out. Wow! Thank you, Ray. Thank you for that. I'm freaking out because this is my father oh, telling
0: me all I, this. I just, I you just, know, I want
1: to say just, something very briefly.
0: Okay, and then I want to get comments from.
1: Okay, yeah, just adding to what he said about love. The, one of the most extraordinary things that Anne said after she passed away is, enlightenment is what happens when there is nothing left of us but love. Mm. Amen. <laughs> Thank you. Remember that.
0: So, Jason, it's up to you. and let me just
2: finish that last point. (laughs) On the way home from my father's house, I finally got it, okay? I finally got it. I was so dense. I was such a materialist, rashless type. Mm. I put down my windows, and for the first time in my life, I talked to God. Mm. And to these beings that I consider modern angels that were interacting with me, and I thanked them. Because I said in a four month period, you have managed to transform total atheist material rationalist into someone that doesn't have a, be- a belief. I don't have a belief of a knowingness. Right. That I'm an eternal so spiritual I, being. I,
0: I think that can happen to the planet. I think that is, um, oh, that, you know, that's what how we they all brought me go. spirituality. Uh, so, Jason, yes. I just want to ask you because none of this is unfamiliar. You've dealt with these realms and sort of with, uh, you were born with that awareness. So,
4: yes. Uh, yeah. I, I, yeah, know. I was born knowing past lives right. and um, even remembering transitions of dying, spending time in between and being born. Like, I remember those things. But uh, what I want to say, because, wow, I can't really add so much to this panel. But um, what I've learned is that, um, you know, we're talking about this kind of separation of uh, us in the spirit world. And, you know, these beings kind of laugh because the truth is we never left that place. We're living simultaneous existences. And as we're here, we're also there. And we're helping each other. And I do want to talk about simultaneous uh, existence because um, we are having experiences in other realms, other dimensions, other worlds, as what we would consider alien life or alien beings. And sometimes these beings are at a very high advanced uh, level where they will come in their form to us to see how we're doing in human form. And it's like this kind of family intergalactic dimensional handshake of just checking up with our ourselves. Team. It really is um, ourselves. And uh, when uh, sometimes you're talking about the life review, um, there are times when we'll have these past life memories come to us and we can be, uh, our consciousness could be us going through the death, death process And our consciousness at that exact moment goes into the people around it, and we also experience, through their eyes, the experience. So we can not only have our individual experience, but we start to blend into this knowledge that we see through um, all the eyes and affect everything around us. And when we have that awareness... Um, it changes you almost immediately. And that's why when uh, we have this contact experience, meet these interdimensional or alien beings or angels or guides, um, these things completely transform us. And we just know no fear and death. We exist Mm -hmm. always in different forms and different consciousness. And um, yeah, like now I'm out talking about this stuff. Uh, but before, it was all bottled up. And it's not good to live your life with this stuff bottled up because it's going to make you very sick.
0: Well, I'm glad you're talking about that. Thank you. I'm, I'm going to take some questions. Phil, you have? No, just uh,
8: I just want to thank you and thank the panel. And just uh, we're not finished yet. What? No, I- what? Okay, get a microphone. Not, yes. not characteristic, but I just, please send up a prayer for me. In December, I've been invited to CERN in December to talk about a paper that I wrote as an undergrad at Princeton that suddenly has reemerged. Last time I was there, I ran into an odetocron. You know what an is? How to run in? You know a crab blouse? You know a crab louse under a microphone? Imagine one 12 feet tall. And they're really nasty. So let just send up a prayer for me. I'm hoping everything's going to be cool, you know, but. Uh, these things happen. Anyway, okay. thanks. Thanks. No,
0: we're just gonna take a few questions Bye. from the audience. Uh, okay. Oh yeah. We only have about five minutes, five questions, five minutes. Right.
3: Okay, as
2: much as I love my E.T. brethren, I can't help but wonder why it is that they seem to be following some unwritten law of the universe that says the humans uh, have to do it by ourselves and we have to take a step back even if they're suffering like crazy. Three things in particular, the RV currency reset, the fact that whistleblowers can't expose things without government murdering them, and uh, some people even getting attacked by direct energy weapons. Why can't the E.T.'s step in and keep this stuff from happening? Why do they insist that we keep suffering uh, and solve it ours?
1: <laughs>
0: I think we're here uh, to solve it ourselves. We got ourselves into this mess, but
1: what's... Well, it's, the, first of all, that's not... Uh, I'll take that one. Oh, oh okay.
7: Wait, wait, uh, wait. Just the analogy, use the analogy of your children. You can't live their lives for them. They have to learn these things on their own. Sometimes they'll fall and skin their knee or, or worse. But uh, when you go living their lives for them, uh, you haven't helped them. You've hurt them.
1: Thank you. Whitley? Yeah, there's been, there's been a lot of, of material injected into the scientific community in the past years. A lot, unfortunately, a lot of it is, is still behind them. The classification wall that it's getting it's going to emerge. And some of the most important material has recently uh, exa- come out in some scientists who have begun to talk about what happened to them. Uh, one of them is Dr. Edward Belbruno. Uh, Ed is a good friend. I met him some years ago, and he told me his story, and I said, Ed, you've got to tell that story. He said, I can't tell that story. I said, well, tell it on my radio show anonymously and see what happens. Let your friends listen to it. And he did, and uh, people were fascinated. And he's a very powerful man, so he started to come out. And what happened to him was he was driving down a road in Wyoming, and with his girlfriend at, the, at night, and they came upon this huge black thing that was hanging in the air above the road. And he's a scientist who studies, uh, works on orbital dynamics. And they watched this thing for a couple minutes, and it flew away. And all of a sudden, all these calculations came into his head. And this is a big guy. He he is, uh, and he realized that there was a satellite that was a. a Japanese satellite that was about to crash, and he could save that satellite with these calculations, and he did that, and became a big hero in the in yeah. the in the field, and has gone on to revolutionize the whole field.
0: He's a Princeton uh, astrophysicist. And this is yeah.
1: directly as a result of that, and there's much more happening, and much more will come out, and as we learn how to deal with this socially so that people don't get savaged when they admit this happens to them. More will come out because I know a lot of people in that community who have had similar experiences who are on the point of getting ready to say, yes, it happened to me too. It is happening. It is. Desiree.
6: Right, so I just want to say, so it's really co-participation, which is, I think, what uh, Whitley is saying. And I do believe that the extraterrestrials have done some things to help us that we don't even know of, like certain types of you know, satellites that are coming by, or we could say meteorites, they've blown them up. They've been over Fukushima many times to try to neutralize the energy that's there. So there's things that are happening, even a TUJA, if you know that's a, a nuclear power plant in Argentina, they're always seen around there trying to neutralize. But really, they want to give us the information, they want the co-participation, and they've been feeding us information, as Barbara, Willie, and we had said, for the last 40 years, and probably for the last several Several thousand years. So they really want that co-participation with us.
3: Yeah, we New weapon systems fired work. by the Soviets and the Americans were intercepted by ETs. I know this three insiders. So all the way up the chain of command, we've been watched and we've been warned to take, not to take the technological slide to self-destruction, but to take the quantum leap towards self-realization. That we are spiritual beings in human form.
0: I mean, I agree with Travis. We have to, you know, help ourselves as well. You know, they're not, no one's going to save us from the mess we created. They'll help, but they're not going to do it for us. Question: Hi, my question for the panel has to do with artificial intelligence. In your travels, and your work, and your experiences, have you encountered what you would interpret as being artificial intelligence? And what was that like? Anyone in particular want to Yeah, I can answer, answer
1: that. I can do that.
0: Oh, wait. Anyone else besides? Oh Well, I'll, I'll okay. just,
7: a quick comment. You know, people ask me, uh, did these beings, either, either type, look like robots to you? And my response is, well, if they were really designed by a technology to stand in the place of a living being, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. And you know, that ultimately would be where uh, AI and artificial intelligence would be headed. That uh, How would you know?
0: Phil, you have an answer for that? No? Sorry. Oh, no, that's I, right. The and then I've
8: encountered in my life has been pretty artificial.
0: The most intelligent. <laughs> you did get that on tape most intelligence he's encountered has been artificial Oh, I just, oh, okay, just want
6: to say as we, we worked with uh, Jayon Hynek in 1973 and he went to investigate the Pascagoula Mississippi October 1973 and when he came back and this is a long time ago if you think about that he said those beings that had appeared to the Uh, people there were robotic for sure and there was robots also seen in the area of of Russia so there have been you know pure robots that you can tell are robots also coming out of spaceships okay and you
0: have a short comment yeah I
1: have a very short comment Um, it is this that it's not so much artificial intelligence that is the issue it's artificial consciousness Because a machine can be very intelligent, but if it's not conscious it remains just a machine Mm. Consciousness as we shall find soon is a like a mirror that is reflecting you and We can build machines that have that that have that and that will become will therefore be conscious and when they Become conscious; they will be ensouled as well. The soul,
0: and, soul, is the key
1: here. Yeah, the yeah. Soul. And they will become ensouled because the soul will find that useful and will make that its life. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be interesting because then we will have created a created somebody.
0: Thank you. Okay, one more question here. One, maybe two more. Okay, send them.
6: Hi, I want to thank you all for your for your. Uh wonderful um, expressions today and letting us know. So as someone who meditates, who is a spiritual being, who believes with all my heart, I would so love some contact. I would so love to be part of the experience that you're having, and
1: yet, so far, well, it's possible. It's, it's, so, there, there is a method. Uh, I can explain it to you quite easily. All right, so my question is now. exactly.
6: My question is how do the rest of us who maybe are waiting and hoping for that experience participate or learn from you? Or how, how, do, how are we participating in this um, awakening and in this enlightenment if we're not actually having the same experiences? Okay,
0: Phil. Just a you... real
8: quick yeah. anecdote. Cause... I think my ma- my first marriage failed because I didn't realize that I was in the presence the whole time of
0: an angelic. You know Being your wife, she was no angel. No, I'll bad, tell you, you know, that We month. want
8: contact with <laughs> Contact, contact. No, this is serious. Without realizing that we're in each other's company all the time, okay. and we are divine creations. We,
7: okay. yeah. you know. Uh, Well, uh, Friedrich uh, Nietzsche is famous for having said, uh, that which does not destroy me only makes me stronger. But I have another quotation of his on my refrigerator. And um, what he said was, believing means not really wanting to know what the truth is believing believing so yeah. my distinction is what is the difference between believing and knowing
0: believing and knowing knowing we know you're in this room you don't believe it knowing is a insult sort of awakening that of truth believing is make believe you could believe anything it doesn't matter so did you have something
1: um
0: that's uh, yeah
2: um, alan if i could give yeah, her oh, a yeah, pract- please a- a practical response, because I get that question a lot. <clears throat> For me, um, what I can suggest is that <coughs> in CE5, which is, uh, I don't like that term, but but uh, people that go out in groups and try and initiate contact with non-human intelligence, usually in desolate areas... Um, Uh, many of these individuals have a good hit rate, okay? You might have to go three or four or five or six times, but you eventually will be able to see, you know, UAPs, UFOs, okay? There's a group that, unlike Stephen Greer, will do it for free, okay? Because Stephen Greer will charge you $3,500 to to, uh, encounter some sand deserts, uh, some bugs out there. So this group is called ET Let's Talk, and the two organizers are both experiencers, uh, Costas Macreas and Hollis Polk. And they run this organization called ET Let's Talk. And what that does is you would put your name or a fake name, you would put a zip code in there, and then it hooks you up with other people in your area. And then you could hook up with them and say, okay, let's go and do some CE5, mm-hmm. you know, in some remote area. Okay. And, um, and 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 if people are sincere, if they put out love, okay, you might have to go multiple times, but eventually you will have contact. You will have an experience. That's my
0: suggestion, JJ.
2: So
3: there are many levels of synchronicity and contact, from the physical and non-physical. So stay open-minded and heart-centered, because what is necessary is not the contact experience, but what you do with the contact. Are you here to help humanity find new breakthroughs in food and survival, sustainability? Medicine, this is the whole aspect. It's the noumena, not the phenomena. It's the noumena, the higher wisdom that comes through, making you a pillar of light in the world that's going through vast and awesome change.
6: I just say, watch your life to see the synchronicities, because sometimes it comes through many levels. I think Jason's probably experienced that on many times. We're all having those experiences. It's a matter of being aware of it in our conscious, not just our subconscious mind.
4: We have to really shut the mind off, and uh, you could do that through meditation, but the best thing is you need to feel the awareness of the physical body. That's the key. You need to just shut the mind off and be able to feel what's going on in the physical body. That's right. And the chemistry uh, in your brain will actually start to change. And you will enter into altered states of awareness and consciousness where those beings will just be waiting in those states for
1: you. You can, you can look up the sensing exercise and just Google it and you'll, you'll, it's a good place to start. I've been doing it for 50 years, and, but you don't have to do it that long anymore. It took 15 years. I didn't know the ETs had, or whoever they are, had any awareness of it. However, what it does is that it causes a change in the in your uh, the amount of light that your nervous system is emanating that can be seen very clearly in other levels of reality. I learned from, during my talk, I mentioned that uh, my wife wanted me to do it after she died. And it was because when I did it, she could see me. She could locate me. And if you get groups together and go out in the CE5 deals and do the sensing exercise together, you will have, you will attract attention It's it's no longer difficult. Also, there's a ranch up in northern California or Washington State.
0: Trout Lake, Washington. Yeah, James Gilliland East City Ranch. You will see stuff there for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's another place
1: you can go and do. So so you're getting
0: advice by panel of experts. These people have devoted their life. Thank you. Okay, a quick question here, and then maybe this one. Go ahead. So fundamentally, I believe that we live in a benevolent universe. Um, when you mentioned CERN, it's like whoa! I really came to my awareness. I just intuitively feel that that's not a beneficial project for you know humanity. And is there an awareness if it's prudent for us to be proactive in taking steps to? Um, stop actions that we're doing as a race that are detrimental to the sacredness of our planet.
8: Yeah. I'm so, not sure how to answer that. So, we'll, we can talk me. about that later in private.
0: Okay, one last question right here. This guy has a burning question.
3: Thank you.
8: Uh, <clears throat> just a, it's a very deep topic, very deep subject. I you guys are all brilliant with a variety of backgrounds and that sort of thing, but since you guys do you guys ever have any technical issues where you differ on different aspects or different specific points that you guys kind of butt heads on? Or do you guys, it's pretty, do you have a common denominator and then maybe the numerator has some variations or a variety of aspects or
7: scopes or, or depth? I would say that we certainly do have different takes on the whole thing and that, uh, you know, uh, One of the modalities of a panel like this is to try to get along and and find where there's congruence. You know, if we emphasize the. Uh, there's not a place for debate, you know, we're just given our different perspectives. So. Yeah,
0: and everyone has a. De- and there's many people that don't agree with the idea that um, it's about consciousness. There's many people that are just into the hardware. I want to give a tribute to Stan Friedman, who's supposed to be here, who's one of the pioneers, whose focus was mainly on the fact that there were craft visiting us. He became more spiritual, but there's a whole variety of opinions. What's happening here, I think, is an. Evolution of the uh, contact situation. We're trying to connect the dots to create a bigger picture. So I want to thank everyone. Did you have something? Any final words? Yeah.
7: Well, uh, one yeah. thing that Stan Friedman said is, you know, when people ask him certain questions, he'd say, "Well, you know, I have certain things I put in my gray box." In Ukraine. Uh, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of confusion uh, because of. Uh, it's either accept or reject. And it's not like that at all. Um, You can have a a verdict in a criminal case that uh, says not guilty. And a lot of people uh, don't understand that's not the same thing as innocent. Hmm. Innocent is where they proved you couldn't have done it, someone else did it, or you were somewhere else. Uh, Not guilty simply means... uh, the state has not produced sufficient evidence to convict you, and the same thing with the the defined in our terms belief. You know, do you believe this? I, I refer to Nietzsche no. quote on that. Uh, if you say I don't believe that, you're not saying I disbelieve it. That's an entirely different thing. And some people think, "Oh, you're splitting hairs there," but it's it's not the same thing at all. No. I haven't had enough time to think about that. That would be in my gray box, so it's not in my belief box. But I'm not saying it I disbelieve it. I'm not saying it's false. I'm saying it's just not in the true box yet. yeah, we're looking for truth, so yeah,
0: we and we're developing this, a new language. Wait, Jason yep. and then Ray, and then we'll close.
4: I, I would just say that what we're doing here is a modern day uh, campfire, and it's a it's a peaceful space where we can actually just share our experiences openly with everybody, and we just take what we need to take from that experience. So uh, you know, we've been doing this forever. It's just different environments. Right. Yeah. Uh, Ray? And...
2: yeah. I just want to say that um, um, I've worked with a very large group of um, mostly experiencers. Uh, m- most of them were academics. Mm-hmm. And now we're forming a new organization with a different team of large group of academics. And all of us have this perspective that we're totally fucking clueless as to what the hell's going on.
0: <laughs> OK? That's and the that, best way to sum it up, really. <laughs> yeah. And
2: also, if any, anyone comes to you with all the answers,
0: run away. <laughs> run away. Okay. Desiree, did you have something to say? All right. Thank you all. This is what the process of awakening looks like. Thank you all for being part of that. And Thank stick around him. for Billy Carson. And, And I'm Alan Alan for New Realities. Thanks for, you know, enduring this and taking some of this truth in and making it your own experience. See you soon. New Realities. Look me up. Thanks.